beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, pork, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, pork, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, chicken, turkeys. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. I might have to learn the song, but not today. We don't have the time. Willie Ramirez is here back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Here is the Battleborn Injury Lawyers Broadcast Center. Early start to the 5 o'clock hour. Later in the hour, we're going to talk to uh, one of the deans of the local media when it comes to talking local sports. Ray Brewer, Las Vegas Sun will join us, and then we'll get you all set up for the NFL and especially the college football betting weekend with Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. You know, while I think a lot of sports radio and especially podcasts are moving more towards kind of outlandish statements and name calling of athletes. As I get older, I try to, I try to reset myself every once in a while when I get a little too froggy. Right. Yeah. And say to myself, would I say that to the player? Would I say that to a coach? Would I break down a game in front of a coach and say that only to have the coach come back at me and go, you don't know what the F you're talking about. You are an idiot. And I, you know what? I think Stephen A got caught in a moment where, for some reason, Stephen A is taking this angle of LeBron nailing Isaiah Stewart in the face and busting him wide open. Stephen A's angle on this was, eh, you know what? People mess with LeBron because they just don't think he's that tough. They don't fear him. Listen here to Stephen A. Smith as he's across from former NBA player J.J. Redick, who I was amazed sat there for like two minutes and listened to this as essentially Stephen A was suggesting that LeBron James at 6'9", 270 is kind of a wimp. What ultimately comes up short is the level of fear that was instilled in you. You didn't mess with MJ. You didn't come at MJ like that. You didn't do stuff like that. With LeBron, you believe you, you take him. You believe he can be had. If you watch the game, which you do, you I played the game, game but I played the game, I know, Stephen A., and I played against LeBron in the playoffs. Okay. And I played against LeBron. I played against LeBron for 15 years. I don't know whether to believe that you believe what you're saying. I do believe that's what a, you're That's crazy. Well, it's not crazy. It's that's not crazy. crazy. It's not crazy. And you know better. I love that. And you know better. No, he does know better. Like, Stephen A's like, you're calling me crazy. Like, almost suggesting that J.J. Reddick's doing it for effect. Stephen A, stop, man. And the other, here's the problem with this conversation. If you want to say that LeBron's not a badass at 6'9", 270, by the way, I haven't really seen anyone go at him before. Um, But you bring up MJ and like, no one came at MJ like that. Dude, you're rewriting history, all right? Stephen A, this was not basketball in 1924, all right, when we weren't alive. And uh, you were the only one who saw it. We, you and I are old enough. Yep. We remember, no one came at MJ Come on. Jesus, God almighty. The Detroit Pistons, the, their whole plan was to beat the living crap out of him. Isn't and and as, as his career went along, there were new teams that stepped up in the East, and your job was to pound Michael Jordan. And as it went along, Jordan got a little less pounding. You know why? Because then the Bulls turned around and were like, okay, you're going to pound Jordan? Then we're going to get enforcers. Then we're going to bring in Ho Grant. We're going to bring in Charles. Well, they had Charles Oakley, but we're going to bring in some bigger, tougher guys. We're going to have a bunch of, you know, a rotation of seven footers with sharp elbows to freaking 
knock you in the face, Isaiah Thomas. I just, I love this. No one came at MJ. What are you talking about? See, you can't have it both ways. You can't talk about today and go, it's not physical. Oh, remember the 80s and the 90s, how physical it was? Oh, but now no one came at MJ. They did. You're lying. Stop. I love Stephen A. But this whole, you know, LeBron is a wimp and people come at, like, cut it out, please. Um, And here's the other thing. Would you say that to LeBron's face? Would you walk up to LeBron and go, you know what? I don't think you're tough. I don't think NBA players fear you. Because J.J. Reddick's across from him. Reddick's like, what are you talking about? Are you done? <laughs> so, first of all, one of my favorite VHS tapes, that's how far you talk about we, we're old enough. One of my favorite VHS tapes of Michael Jordan's, you know, just documentaries is Airtime. And in that documentary, he talks about... The Notorious series with the New York Knicks. There's a famous Notorious video clip of Xavier McDaniel forehead to forehead. He talks about how the Knicks were the team that got under their skin finally and came in and punched the bully in the mouth and pushed Mm -hmm. them around. That no team was going to stand up to them. Not like you're saying, yes, the bad boys are the Pistons, but in terms of being able to get on, and he said, and the Knicks did it. That was the, the famous one where where uh, Pippen got mugged going baseline and slammed him down on the ground. Are you kidding me? That New York Knicks teams. How about Greg Anthony setting the screen and dropping him? Las Vegas is on. Don't tell me that Greg Anthony was scared. Wasn't uh, You're going to tell me Greg Anthony from the ranch? Northtown? The Northtown boy who played football and basketball? Come on now. I always tease Greg about that. Saying, Dude, when, you, when that, that notorious screen and they get up and that under his breath going, that's for the ranch. Now, on to LeBron. LeBron is what in his 18th season or something? How many? What is he? What what season is he in? LeBron's at this point. Ten years ago, maybe five. LeBron may have you know what had the chut spot to stand up and go. Okay, let's go. I think LeBron's old enough to where he's like, okay, dude, take a chill. You know what I mean? He's 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 past that point where. And, and and here's the thing. I went up and met Isaiah Stewart. I interviewed Isaiah Stewart in my trip to Seattle. Saw our, our boy Dave Rice. Well, anyway, uh, I went up there and I talked. This was a good kid. As a matter of fact, when I brought up Julian Strother to Isaiah. So this is not a kid who, who has that kind of temperament. That's not So something took place to trigger that. But he also started going those three, four times when he jumped to go in. There was a bunch of people in front of him also. Mm-hmm. When he was when he had his chance and he was right there, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, back then they were swinging. So, and I'm not saying that Stewart wasn't upset. He obviously was upset for a reason. But the fact that saying LeBron was scared, no, I think that LeBron is just a matured player now that he's well into his 30s and he's into whatever season he's in that he's just not going to throw blows. It's not just his, it's just not his M.O. Number two. All right, jump ahead in the big five. Uh, We got football tomorrow. I thought this was a great line by Andrew Brandt, who used to work in the NFL, is now a professor at Villanova, when he was talking about the uh, Bears-Lions matchup and said, uh, we're days away from 20 million people complaining about the Bears-Lions matchup while choosing to watch it rather than talk to their families. Because you know that's going to be the case. People are going to be like, what game is on? Ah, Okay, let's watch it. I do not have a problem. Years after years after years after years of the Lions and the Cowboys being the Thanksgiving team 
and the Bears Lions are every so often, every every few years. That's the matchup. This is tradition. Shut up. And if you don't like it, you know what? Go get a Nerf football and get a group of people and go play the Turkey Bowl. Because that's what we did when we were kids. We, were, we couldn't wait to get up, go play football. And mm-hmm. we did it so early that we got home in time to watch the Lions game and then watch. And there was no cable TV back. There wasn't even. There was, back, there, we didn't, back in my day. We didn't even have UHF channels. We had NBC, ABC. We didn't even have Fox yet. There was no Fox network. The regular Fox network before Fox Sports. There was no cable. There was no NFL network. You got two games. Shut up. You got college. You got the Egg Bowl. You got the Cowboys. You got the NFL Network. You got this. You got that. Shut up. The Lions and Bears. The Lions are tradition. And this is a tradition. Norris Division. North Division. Central Division. Call it what you want it. Black and Blue Division. Shut up. We're taking the Bears, right? They're going to rally around Matt Nagy, who reportedly could be fired after the game, which to me is absurd. Just let him finish out the season. Well, they're going to rally around and traditionally go against the Lions. Anyway. Wait, so you are betting the Bears? Yeah. Okay. Just trying to decipher what the hell you were talking about there. No, you traditionally go against the Lions. I mean, it's just, you know. it's. But in this case, you got a disaster on the other side with the reports out there that Nagy could be fired on Friday. Well, that's Nagy, but the players want to win. I mean, I, I, you know. I'm... What if he's lost the locker room? He may have, but that doesn't mean they want to lose. Number one. I tried, folks. I pushed and prodded. I pushed and prodded. Um, interesting stuff on the Raiders game against the Cowboys. Uh, are we now seeing stories that suggest that we should have known this was coming before the season? Because I don't remember those stories back in August. That the problems began way before the season? What's the deal here? No, 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 no. Are you talking about what I sent over? Yes. I, okay. Did I misread this? No, it's not. Be, it says... The Raiders issues started long before November, not before the season. Okay, my, my bad. Because my bad. if you remember those first two games, right, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the first two home games, those teams jumped out to leads. So in Vinny's story, he, what he was saying is that, is that Vinny Bots over there, forget about it, man. Uh, the offensive line issues, okay. right? The, the, the one area that has always been consistent that has not been – ridiculed has been the defensive front okay uh there was improvement with the secondary that has that was that had been noted and overall by the way in the entire organization there's not another guy that i feel sorry for more than gus bradley the empathy for that dude i mean he came in i mean and the problem is is he came in and fixed the major issue with this team for the past few years and if everybody gets chopped, he's going too, which is kind of ludicrous. By the way, let me just throw this out there, Steve. I know I'm sidetracked, but that's too bad because we just talked about the Bears. If Nagy goes and this whole staff goes, bring Bradley over to Chicago. Just saying. Um, As a head coach. Sure. He's been a head coach. So uh, so what he was saying was these the issues that, that are taking place on the field – have been in place since the start of the season. They had to rally to beat Miami. They had to rally to beat Baltimore. They've had to. The 3-0 start came with some struggle. Let's remember that Monday night game. Oh, I remember. Baltimore. I came in and there was always a but this, but that on Cofield right. and company when they, were, when they were winning those games and everyone was 
you know, high on life. So that that was that. It wasn't long before the season. It was long before November is with that, with the theme of that story. And, and it's true. It's true. It's just that everything's been amplified with everything else that's taken place. So I'm still waiting to give you my teaser. Is it mean to say one of the biggest factors in this game is to potentially knock Dak Prescott just out of the game? I mean, your, your best weapons are your edge rushers. Well, I'm not suggesting, you know, a bounty here, but boy, it'd be nice to knock him around, wouldn't it? Knock him around is a better phrase than knock him out of the game. Get him out! Al Davis would say get him out. That's my quarterback. It's not your quarterback. Or it is. I guess it is technically. Yes, yeah, right. Look, Jets guy. I never had that feeling where I'm like, that's my quarterback. No. <laughs> never had that. No, you want them to knock. You want everything <laughs> bad sometimes, to happen. Well, actually, the last couple of years, yeah, I'm fine with it. Let's get a better draft pick. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to see Dak Prescott get hurt, but, you know, knocking him around. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know what? Keep, it is, it, it is, it is actually up. one of the best. If you want to just ISO on defense, it is one of the best things to watch in the NFL is in Gawkway and especially Crosby work on the edge. Yeah. Crosby last week. No, I've enjoyed watching that. Holy crap. Yeah, no, Inside moves, spins. I mean, these guys. He's been possessed. It's been Awesome. Just just to update, we got uh, the injury report. So Ezekiel Elliott was a full participant Tuesday and Wednesday. He was limited on Monday. CeeDee Lamb limited. His his status is now officially questionable for the game. Uh, Nobody else basically that's on the injury report, that's been on the injury report, is were full participants today for the Cowboys. Uh, Raiders. Kwiatkowski did not participate. Keyshawn Nixon, both uh, are out again. Questionable is offensive guard John Simpson. Oh, go surprise there. The offensive line. Andre James. Thumb injury. Great. He's got to hand the ball off to Carr. But he was a full participant yesterday and today. So, um... I I, I think the Cowboys... I I still think the Cowboys... You know, that, that, that... All right, so you're laying the points. I'm taking the points. Yeah. So waiting to give you my team. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Well, give it to me. Right after I give away this prize. Okay. Caller seven. Three, six, four, one, one, zero, zero. Get in it to win it. You get a, a gift card right now. If you're the lucky caller number seven, it's brought to you by Silver Sevens at Flamingo and Paradise. And then the folks at Silver Sevens wanted to give a, a cool holiday package out to celebrate the opening, the reopening of their bar, the Bud Light Lounge. They've got Raiders tickets. To the final game of the season at the Al plus two hundred dollars in cash. You qualify for that right now. You will get a fifty dollars gift card. Call Ari three six four eleven hundred. Caller number seven. Real quick, what's the teaser? Who do you like Monday, Seattle or Washington? It's important that I know that Washington's laying one. Washington. Okay, so you get a two-team teaser, and you're going to bet the Cowboys and the Patriots. When the Cowboys come in on that teaser, now you're going to tease the Titans to the Seahawks. And then when you middle that Titans-Patriots game, you have no problem betting Washington because you like Washington minus the one, and now you have a nice middle with Seattle-Washington, and you end up hitting a few games. The Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on Cofield and Company, we're getting ready for UNLV basketball right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Whittier is in town. The Poets 
So Ray Brewer's up with us. We haven't talked to Ray in a while. Ray, of course, the uh, sports boss over at the Las Vegas Sun. Ray, how you doing, buddy? Steve, uh, long time no talk, but I am so happy to be on your show. Love talking about UNLV hoops, man. Of course. So I got to get your take on the three and two start with the new look running Rebels and new look includes the players and the coaches. Yeah, I'd say uh, first impression is a they're they're more athletic. Uh, B, they're in sync. And, and and I think C, at one point on Sunday during that Wichita State game, I, I, I was messaging my dad, a, a huge fan, and I said, I really think these guys could compete in the Mountain West. I, I see no reason why they – I mean, I don't see them getting blown out by anybody. And so that simple reason, I, I think it's an upgrade. Uh, I, everybody on Twitter seemed to say that Kevin Kruger's got them going in the right direction. And I agree. I think this is a, a fun team. The guard play is a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, outside of that first game where they missed some shots, I think they're 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 going to be good, man. It's it's going to be uh, something to look forward to, man. So it's fair to have expectations because I thought some of the vibe after the Wichita State game uh, was more along the lines of "Hey, good job, good effort." But I, I think they have the talent that we should have expectations and. Uh, I'm not saying first place in the Mountain West Conference, but certainly top four in the Mountain West and challenging uh, in the postseason to get an NCAA tournament bid. I don't think it's out of line. I I totally agree, and I think some people, if I would have said that without you supporting me, I think people would have said, oh, Ray, that's the the Las Vegas native in you or the homer in you. But I just – I don't look at any other team in the Mountain West as being that much significantly better than the product – UNLV has on the floor, right? They've got great length on the inside with with Royce Ham, who we saw block a shot to win a game, grabbing all the rebounds. The guard play is just so much improved. I think, you know, Keyshawn Gilbert, if you remember back when he committed, people were like, why Keyshawn Gilbert? He, he He's not a kid that is even worth being on scholarship. He's, he's not one of the best guys in the city. And he's turned out to be – better than anybody's expectations, a great defender, uh, brings so much energy to the team. And, you know, Bryce Hamilton could, could is still a, a great scorer. And at this team, they're quick. They're getting up and down the court. I, there's there's so many reasons to be to be happy right now if, you, if you're supporting this team. So they just played Michigan. They just played Wichita State. They've got UCLA in town. That, that's a big deal because, so you know, as a longtime Las Vegan, there was always a thing with Tark and Wooden and you know UCLA and not being able to get them on the schedule. They've got them on the schedule. Plus, it's Mick Cronin who jerked around with uh, UNLV and TKM for a while there, so there's a little bit of saltiness there. And you're talking about a top-five team. I don't care what happened last night. Uh, Gonzaga's just awesome and UCLA wasn't ready. This is a great opportunity for UNLV to compete and potentially win a game. But i got to tell you, one of the big things that's going on Freddie Banks is having his jersey retired, and I do wonder how many people are going to turn out for this. And I, I figured, you know what, let's bring on Ray. Ray Burroughs with us from the Las Vegas Sun. For newbies here in Vegas, you got to tell people about the history of Freddie Banks and, you know, like the local history, what he did for UNLV. Yeah, so Freddie Banks uh, was a star at Valley High School, won three straight state championships, and a uh, kid that grew up in the historic West Side, a legend at the Doolittle Rec Center, and, and he just does not miss. He is a guy that worked on his craft, shot in the backyard, shot at city parks growing up, and he has a great jump shot. Guy's 50-some years old. He could still shoot the ball, and he comes to UNLV, 
And it was right when the Thomas and Mack Center opened. So his freshman year, the Mac is is in its first year, and UNLV's getting 18,000 every night. And Freddie just can't miss from three-point land. Uh, pure shooter, in transition, great competitor. And the fact that he was a local guy, right? He followed Sudden Sam Smith, who went to Clark, or Spider-Man Burns, who went to Chaparral my school, the best school in, in Southern Nevada, was, was just an added bonus. And I'm so happy for Freddie that he's getting his due with his number up in the Raptors at the Thomas and Mac because he's everything you want in a UNLV player, right? He's a local kid. He appreciates the history of the program. He led him to a Final Four. He is UNLV basketball. And a lot of us who grew up with the program, they're just – they're giddy over this. And this is going to be a, an absolutely fun night. Thankfully, they've got a great opponent in UCLA. This is one of these nights where you're really starting to feel how Kevin Kruger is, is bringing everybody back on the same page. Will it be 18,000? Absolutely not. Will it be the 5,000 that we saw you know, two weeks ago against Cal? Doubtful. I think it'll be a solid 10,000 people. Uh, one more thing on Freddie Banks. We should mention when they got to that Final Four, Indiana wound up winning the national championship, and everyone remembers Keith Smart. But the semifinal game between Indiana and UNLV is one of the classics of all time, and I would argue Freddie Banks had one of the greatest Final Four games in the entire history of this tournament. Yeah, record 10 three-pointers. Still stands today more than 30 years later. UNLV loses 97-93, but – Freddie Banks and Mark Wade basically took on Steve Alford. And guess what? Steve Alford had a, a better shooting day uh, than Freddie Banks, believe it or not. So our hatred for Steve Alford didn't start with New Mexico or now that he's at Reno. It starts with the fact that in 87, he and Freddie went back and forth and Indiana and Bobby Knight got the best of Jerry Tarkanian that day. But I really think that, that UNLV team, the 87 team, that victory against I won the Elite Eight, right? B.J. Armstrong and Roy Marble, and they, they rallied from 16 down at halftime with the Hammer Gilliam, got to the Final Four. That set the stage for 90 and 91. If they don't have that run, they don't have 90 and 91. So three Final Fours in five years. All started in 87 with Freddie and Mark Wade and Gerald Patio, right? You remember the the game in the NIT at the Garden against Western Kentucky back and forth, and Patio hits that, like, 35-foot three-pointer. And it, it's just a glorious time of UNLV basketball. And the fact that they're bringing Freddie back and Freddie's bringing all his boys back, it's going to be a good night to be there. And I think some, some locals uh, are looking forward to it. That Saturday afternoon game against UCLA, already a gigantic tilt, but also Freddie Banks honored as he'll have his jersey lifted to the rafters. Um, let's hit on where UNLV is right now. You talked about attendance, and I hope a good crowd shows up. And I'm not going to sit here and lecture people on whether you should go or not or vaccination policies or any of that stuff. Um, you tell me, what do you think is going to get more fans back in? I was saying yesterday on Cofield & Company that you know this isn't going to be an overnight thing, that this has kind of been a – years in development that folks have kind of fallen off UNLV basketball because of some of the failings of the program. So Kevin Kruger's going to have to win at a high level, but I think if he does, the fans will be back. Yeah, I mean, the old adage in Las Vegas is we support winning teams, and we even see that to a certain level with our pro franchises, right? The Golden Knights, 
uh, struggled to get fans earlier this season. They they were down a little bit, and that's what's going to have to happen with UNLV is they're going to have to just start winning again. But I think more important is they need to develop a new generation of fan, right? The the era where like my dad took me to all the games and folks that were my dad's age, and my dad went in the, you know at the convention center, he traveled with the team. Well, guess what? He's 78 years old. And I know of at least like four couples who love the Rebels and watch them and read about them and talk about them all the time. But guess what? They're too elderly to drive at night. They don't want to walk up and down the stairs at the Thomas and Max Center. And only one of them still has their tickets. And so they still care about the team, but they physically can't show up. So I think somehow UNLV has to attract a new era of fan. And maybe that's people in my age that had good memories as a kid and I want to introduce it to my family. Or maybe it's just somebody that's now moved to town um, and they have to fall in love with the program all over again. So I think they're trying to attract maybe a different type of person to the Thomas and Mac. And the best way to do that is to A, win and B, be exciting. And I think they're on the way to get there. I, I wouldn't have said that last year with TJ I wouldn't have said it uh, a few years ago with Marvin. I have. I wouldn't have said it since Dave was here, um, but I think Kevin's got him on the right direction. Ray Brewer, Las Vegas Sun. He's the uh, king of local sports coverage. So uh, you were out there, San Diego State Friday night game, right? At Allegiant. Yes, loved it. Okay, so give me your impression of this Rebel football team. The wins haven't been there like they wanted. They're two and nine. They've got six losses inside of eight points. That was another example of a very close game. They wound up losing twenty-eight to twenty. What do you think of what Marcus Arroyo calls, you know, year one because it's the first full year that he's had everything around the program? Well, the the positives are the kids played hard and they've played with the exception of Reno for some reason, they've played hard basically the whole year. And that tells me that even though, Steve, that they've won two games in in in, in Marcus's tenure, that the kids are still all in. They still believe on him. He's still getting good recruits. And that is a gigantic positive in the right direction. They are tangibly better than they were at the start of the year, right? Somehow they lost to East Washington, but now they beat Hawaii. They beat New Mexico. Granted, not world powers, but still teams that 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 they might not have beaten earlier. And then I think to go up against a San Diego State team that is great running the ball. UNLV held them to, what, 96 yards. San Diego State's a great defensive team, right, 10th in the nation defensively. UNLV, with their backup quarterback, who looked awful forever, and Justin Rogers throws for 300 yards. And I, I really think he's got the, the framework of something decent here moving forward. With that said, year three, you're worried because you'd like to have an established quarterback. They don't have one. You know, could you could you trust Brumfield to stay healthy? Is 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 Frill your guy, or are you going to have to hit that transfer portal hard? Um, Charles Williams, God bless him, one of the best players in program history, uh, has shattered all these rushing records. Uh, a true great rebel, right? He's graduated. He wins all these academic awards, but he's carried. The, I mean, outside of him, they've had like twenty five carries for tailbacks. So now you got to get a running back. So I really look for the program to be aggressive in the transfer portal, kind of build it up like Kevin Kruger did, and, and take a run forward in year three because you can't move forward with the with the current group you have because no matter how hard they're playing, you just you got to have some stability under center. Yeah, they're gonna. I think they realize there's an accelerated timeline. Like you would like a four or five year build. 
But with DRF gone off to Missouri, a new AD coming in at some point, and demand to sell tickets at Allegiant. And I and I see it in the recruiting so far. I don't know if you saw this week. They got a couple of commits. I think they've gotten four commits. Two have been announced, at least by the kids. They're JUCO players. So I, I agree with you. I think they're going to hit the transfer portal pretty hard. They're going to hit JUCO pretty hard. And they'll have a, a good building block of, you know, 18 to 20 players who've been here for a few years. But next year, they got to turn at least half of those close games into wins and get the five or six wins. Yeah, and, and I think if you look at the success Charles Williams had, if I'm any running back in the portal and I'm looking where to go, I'm like, hold on, uh, I touched the ball 40% of the time in this offense. Yeah, sign me up. I, I want to be that guy. You know, if you're somebody who's, you know, maybe recruited by UCLA and it didn't work out at UCLA and you're looking for another landing spot, I think Vegas with the city – the facilities playing at the Raider Stadium. I mean, it's a no-brain home run win to get people to come in. And guess what? The 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 depth chart, the ones and twos, is so easy to get into to get reps. I, I think he is going to have a great success uh, in that portal, especially he is a great recruiter. He's able to relate to people very well. Ray Brewer. Las Vegas Sun. All right, let's close on this. Uh, I talked about it on the air yesterday. Uh, you and I were at a lunch hosted by the Las Vegas Bowl and John Sassenti. We got our uh, our meat sweats on. That was cool. Um, one of the things they discussed, not to kind of spoil what they're doing, but uh, the Las Vegas Bowl was actually looking for sports moments of the year. And I noticed as we went around the table, this is not to rip the other local uh, sports media people who were there, a lot of it was Raiders and Knights and you know all, all the major league stuff that's coming to town. And both you and I were like, Wait a second. There's some unbelievable like local stories. You and I have been here a long time. So have a lot of the other people who are on this panel. Uh, but I brought up Drew Robinson. And then you had some good high school moments that you, you wanted to mention that you wanted in the mix. Yeah, and I just think that's the one cool thing about, about, about us, Steve, is we've been here for so long. And it is so awesome that the Golden Knights and the Raiders are here and the Aces. And they do such a – they're so generous in our community and they help out in so many ways. And Having everybody come together to cheer for the Golden Knights in the playoffs, it makes me so proud to be a Las Vegan because this is our team and we want to see our guys do well. But I, I hope that the high school sports and UNLV doesn't get lost in the mix because there's so many good things going on there and so many people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. And and my example was over at Canyon Springs High School. Uh, Gus McNair, the head coach there, um, his son, who was a freshman in college in the Bay Area, um, was uh, shot and killed. Um, stray bullet hit him when he was out getting some food one night. And to think of the heartache of losing a kid is just unimaginable. But then I look at the first game back that Canyon had that he coached in. You know, mind you, this is two days after burying his son. They play Faith Lutheran. And Faith Lutheran, you know, is an affluent school in Summerlin. Canyon Springs is an inner city school on the west side. And to see these two teams come together all week uh, to rally around the coach where they're praying together in the pregame and the kids are, 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 are literally ministering, to, for lack of a better word, to each other. And then you see a game that goes back and forth that's won by Canyon Springs on a field goal at the end of the game where, you know, the coach's son, his other son, played in the game as a freshman and had some receiving yards. I'm like, that story needs to be told. And what not a better place than Las Vegas Bowl that expects to sell out Allegiant Stadium? All right, Ray. We got to find out about the family before we get out of here. First of all, 
everyone's getting kind of big. And I don't mean weight-wise. I just mean they're growing up quick, aren't they? Yeah, my son Nicholas is a fifth grader now. Uh, coached his peewee soccer team. We went 1-8-1. Uh, and one. Um, So my coaching needs to get <laughs> better. Brewer, come he's, on. Uh, yeah, one eight and one. He's uh he's uh he's doing good in school and and Gabby's a first grader and she's one of the she's she's doing well in her class. She's very tall. She's like in the ninetieth percentile. Here we almost go. All of my fifth grade. Here we go. So, Volleyball or basketball? The Brewer Jeans. I know. I'm thinking free scholarly money, baby. <laughs> uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, any specialties on the table? Oh my God, brother, dude! Just went this morning for like trip four to the store. We're probably in. Three hundred dollars. We've got turkey stuffing. Um, we're doing Chinese food tonight. My wife is making a bunch of pies, um, casseroles, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, Mom and dad are coming over, so we're very, we're very happy to be healthy. That's the key, man. Good deal. The legendary Ray Brewer. You ever think someone would call you legendary? But you kind of are, dude. Uh, you know what? I appreciate that. That <laughs> it's humbling when people send me messages thanking for me for the coverage. Yeah. And that, that's just, it, it's really humbling to say the least. Like they're so calling you right I, now. They got another they got another high school scoop right now. They, they're like, hey, we got to call Ray Brewer. Yeah, no, but I, I appreciate the, the the label and you having me on the show to promote uh, the sports in the city and uh, your friendship over the years, brother. Good deal. I hope you're out there Saturday for the UCLA game. That's a special day with uh, Freddie Banks. Again, Freddie Banks retirement. Uh, the jersey's going up to the rafters. Ray, we appreciate it. Have a good holiday. You too, brother. Take care, man. Ray Brewer from the Las Vegas Sun. His spot today is brought to you by Silver 7s. we got a great giveaway going down with Silver 7s. Listen in all next week. We're giving away $50 gift cards. If you win one of the gift cards, then you are in it to win it. The grand prize, two tickets to the Raiders season finale at the Al against the Chargers. Two tickets to the big NFL game to close out the regular season. And we'll throw in another 200 bucks spending money. So you want to be listening all week long. Cofield and Company and the Press Box. As we give away gift cards and qualify you for the grand prize giveaway courtesy of Silver 7s. And don't forget, we're having a grand opening party down at Silver 7s. Brand new bar that we do co-field a company at on December 2nd. We'll be hanging out watching Thursday Night Football. And we'll give out the grand prize at the new Bud Light Bar. Silver 7s, Flamingo in Paradise, ESPN Las Vegas. Your place to win great prizes during the holidays. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. Cofield and Company around the holidays, and uh, Brad Powers, nice enough to uh, bump up from Thursday to Wednesday. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. So I want to get into the uh, Thanksgiving slate on to Friday and Saturday, but before that, a couple of notes from the week. I saw you point out that uh, Mississippi State and Mike Leach actually kicked a late field goal to get the cover. What, what's your reaction to that, and is there anything wrong with it? Number one, I don't think he did it intentionally to cover the spread. Uh, if you follow Mississippi State football this year, they've had you know significant issues you know, making field goals. It single-handedly cost them a game against Arkansas. So I think he was just doing it to get experience uh, from his field, uh, another kicker because the anticipation is the Egg Bowl is probably going to come down to the final possession. So I think that's why he did it. He didn't do it to cover a spread, but – if he did, kudos to him. He gets another notch as far as the thumbs up in my book. Latest CFP is out. So we got Georgia, then Ohio State, then Bama, then Cincy. I know the numbers, uh, well, at least, I don't know if they're up, but the Vegas numbers would be what uh, right now for these games? 
So uh, Georgia would be a 17-point favorite over Cincinnati. But, uh, I mean, people are going to say, well, Cincinnati doesn't deserve to be there. Well, I'm here to tell you Georgia would be a a significant favorite over everybody but Ohio State and Alabama. So it doesn't really matter who you put in that four slot. Uh, The other game, obviously, a lot more competitive. And believe it or not, I'd have Alabama an underdog. I would have Ohio State a one-point favorite over the Crimson Tide. Okay. Um who is on the outside? Is is everyone pretty much even with Cincy? Is there anyone significantly better than Cincinnati who's sitting in the you know five on down? Uh, Michigan's the clear four, uh, believe it or not. But I mean, obviously, there's still a significant gap between you know on Ohio State, Alabama uh, sitting there at two and three, and and a Michigan at four. I mean, you're talking about a touchdown downgrade from those two teams. Uh, so. Uh, everybody else then after Michigan's pretty relatively close. Maybe Michigan's a point or so better than the Cincinnati's, the Oklahoma State's, and the Notre Dame's of the world. And you like the Batman defense? I like Will Anderson on the defense. <laughs> I think, you know, there's been at times where, you know, a Florida team controlled Alabama's front. I, you know, Georgia, I think, is capable of doing something similar. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of really Alabama this year. I mean, I think this is the weakest Alabama team maybe since 2010. Yeah, and I think they're they're being given way too much credit based on uh, past experience. I actually have Alabama as my number six team in the CFP. I have Notre Dame ahead of them. I've got Michigan ahead of them. I've got Cincinnati ahead of them. And I don't think that if, say, Georgia whacks Alabama in the SEC title game, that Alabama should be in the Final Four. Oh, I don't even think they should be in if they lose the game by seven. I mean, I think they're out with a loss. I mean, what, what has Alabama done this year? I mean, a bunch of close games against teams that I don't think are necessarily that good. Florida, LSU, Arkansas is an okay team, but they're not top ten. So, I mean, they got three close wins, and I just you're right. They're getting the benefit of the doubt, uh, but I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt if Georgia beats them. And I, I, I do, I've already bet Georgia in that game. What was the number you got? Three. Uh, it's going to close above three. I'll just put it that way. Right. I'm seeing fours out there now if you want to do the look ahead. All right, so Bama this weekend, is there a threat here? Auburn has kind of sputtered down the stretch. Bama's laying 20. I really don't want to get involved. I mean, I probably would want to take Auburn, but without Bo Nix, I mean, they're compromised offensively. And Brian Harson, there's whispers about him. I don't know if he's long for the job at Auburn. So uh, I just – and especially with George on deck, I don't want to lay 20 points. So if you absolutely have to get involved, I'd actually lean under. I, I don't think Alabama looks for margin here. All right, Michigan, Ohio State. Look ahead number. You could have bet it last week, and that's why it's a problem now if you want Ohio State. Look ahead was actually Ohio State 6.5-7. Now we're looking at Michigan at home getting 8.5. Yeah, if you didn't bet Ohio State uh, early, I mean, I did take 7. I, I missed the look ahead. I always worry about injuries and stuff in college football. Uh and I just don't think there's always necessarily an overreaction like there is in the NFL. But there is an overreaction. My numbers say Michigan, but i, I, I got to be quite honest with you. Uh, I've watched this rivalry the last 10 years. Ohio State's got better players. they got better coaches. Motivation's never an issue for the Buckeyes. They seem to play their best game of the year against Michigan almost every single year. So, I mean, I'm comfortable with laying seven. I can tell you that. It was my biggest bet of the week. Uh, will I play back some Michigan? Yeah, we'll see how high it goes. If it goes to 10, certainly I'd play back on Michigan. BradPowerSports.com is where you can find Brad Power stuff. Also up on Twitter at BradPowers 
seven. All right, Thanksgiving Day games. We got the Egg Bowl. We mentioned that one. Mississippi State is one and a half against Ole Miss. And, you know, one of the things on the Ole Miss side I think we need to take into account is, yes, it's Lane Kiffin, but they actually play good defense. Well, this year they do. DJ Durkin's their defensive coordinator. I mean, people probably remember him not so fondly for what happened to Maryland, but he's a pretty good coach. Uh, and I think their defense is one of the most improved in the country. And I think their totals get overpriced. Everybody wants to bet over. They're betting over right now in tomorrow's Egg Bowl. I'm eventually going to get this myself to the window on the under in the game. And speaking of the under, I mean, it's cashed six straight times in Ole Miss games by an average of 21 points per game. So these totals in Ole Miss games are flying under the total. And yet every single week you see money come in on the over in their games. Uh, we're seeing it again, and I just disagree with it. So I'll, I'll end up betting under tomorrow. I want to take San Jose plus 7.5 against Fresno. Uh, I think you're okay there, especially the hook on a key number. I bet under. Uh, it was a bad opening number, 57.5. Yeah, I mean, they got all – both teams have motivation. Uh, I mean, the San Jose State needs to win to get to a bowl game. Fresno State needs to stay alive in the division race. Seven and a half. Yeah, I think that's a decent bet. What a bizarre season in a positive way for San Diego State. We just got to see them here in Vegas last weekend at the Al against UNLV, and yet another close game. Uh, they wind up winning the game. They're 6-0 and in games that are inside of eight points. They are at home, technically, in Carson, top 25 team against Boise, and they're getting two and a half. <laughs> I think Boise State right now is the best team in the Mountain West. I mean, after the bye with the first-year coach, Andy Avalos, they figured things out. They had a really tough schedule at the start of the season. They've overcome all that. I think they deserve to be the favorite. I'd lay the two-and-a-half. Uh, it, there's not going to be any hardly any home crowd there. It's a 9 a.m. start for a CBS national game. Uh, I, I like Boise there. Uh, so, they'll, they'll, you know, if Fresno State takes care of business on Thanksgiving night and Boise does what I expect, uh, it's going to be Fresno State in the Mountain West Championship game. There you go. Iowa, short number here against Nebraska, one and a half. Uh, it, I wanted to take Nebraska, but Martinez is out at quarterback. And obviously, I have mixed emotions about him. He's a turnover machine. He's been that way his whole career. <laughs> yep. I mean, they have a talented freshman going to start, but really an unknown. So, I, I would only lean with Iowa in this one. I like the mixed emotions. It started with opening night. <laughs> I remember all the <laughs> way back at the beginning of the season, the bashing of Adrian Martinez. Um, locally, the uh, Rebels, UNLV's on the road against Air Force. This is an incredibly tough spot against a one-dimensional offense, but they're so freaking good at it, Air Force. Uh, it started at 20. It got down to 17 and a half. Now the Rebels are getting 18. Lean UNLV. I mean, look, they only won a couple games this year, but, I mean, the Rebels have overachieved, in my opinion. I mean, on a consistent basis. I mean, they're 7-3-1 against the spread. Uh, they've covered by about, a, you know, an average of about six points per game on the season. They just played an incredibly tough schedule. You're right, it's a bad spot, but I can tell you one thing on the, as far as UNLV's defense, that front seven's pretty good for them. It is. And I think they'll be able to slow down Air Force enough where they can cover the number. They're not going to win, but they'll cover unbelievable year on the sidelines for both Washington State and Washington. Now they meet up to close out the season. Wazoo's got a lot to play for. They're laying one. Yeah, and that's priced into it because you know, pure power running says Washington should be favored, and they dominated the Apple Cup. But Washington State's got better vibes around that program, more to play for. Washington playing out the season, one of the worst teams in the country against the spread this year. I lean uh, Washington State. Big Ten action. These are all rivalry games. Indiana beat the hell at quarterback really all year long against Purdue, 14 and a half. I bet the under. Uh, it's tough laying more than two touchdowns in a rivalry game, especially when I you know, consider it to be, it's going to be lower scoring. But Indiana, I just got done talking about 
you know, teams being you know, Washington being one of the worst teams in the country ATS wise. I mean, uh, Indiana is the worst team in the country ATS wise. They're they're two and nine against the spread this year, and actually one and nine against FBS teams. I don't trust PJ Fleck week to week. Wisconsin's laying seven at Minnesota. Seven seems about fair. In fact, you know, with the total in the 30s, it, it seems a little pricey. I bet over. I just I think the market gets too cute with how low these totals are anymore. You have to have everything go right to cash an under 39 ticket in college football these days. So I lean over. Pretty amazing year at Penn State. They really don't have a quarterback, and the one they have isn't healthy. And uh, with all that, James Franklin just got a 10-year extension. Good for him, right? Uh, Penn State, yeah. minus one and a half against a uh, very reeling Michigan State squad. I lean Penn State here. Uh, Clifford's a little healthier than what he was last week. Uh, even despite that, I mean, the freshman came in and played well. They beat Rutgers 28-0. What's been con- the most consistent unit that's going to be on the field is Penn State's defense. They brought it every single week. So I'm going to lean with Penn State. BYU, maybe a tryout for Kalani Sataki face-to-face with uh, USC Brass as BYU is on the road laying six and a half. My goodness. I mean, I want to bet BYU. I think they're the right side, but I think you're paying a premium with BYU. I mean, come on. I got UCLA, you know, power rated ahead of BYU in my power ratings, and UCLA last week, which was one of my favorite bets of the week, they were laying three, three and a half. Now I'm laying six and a half. So, (laughs) I mean, again, lean BYU. I wanted to bet it, wanted to make it one of my favorite bets, but numbers matter, folks. Bedlam, and we're talking to Brad Powers as we uh, wrap about what's going on this weekend in the world of football betting. Bedlam, roles are reversed here. It feels like oftentimes Oklahoma State is the team that can ruin things for Oklahoma, but this time around, the Sooners plus four against Oklahoma State. I mean, serious history says you got to take Oklahoma, especially in a rare underdog role in the series. But, I mean, I, I got to go with my eye test. And, and by far the best unit on the field is Oklahoma State's defense. I, I think that's been the mispricing on Oklahoma State all year. I don't think people fully grasp how good this Oklahoma State defense is. I mean, it's top five in the country. Yards per play allowed, yards per game, uh, scoring. Uh, and, I mean, they just shut down, shut out Texas Tech for the – I mean, that's the first time Texas Tech's been shut out since 1997. So – I, I don't trust Oklahoma's offense right now. They've struggled against some of the better defenses they face. Oklahoma State wins and they cover. Thanksgiving football in the NFL. You in on any of these? Chicago, Detroit, Vegas, Dallas, Buffalo, New Orleans. Uh, Chicago, Detroit, I, I like the Lions, plus three. I actually think they can win the game. Wow. Okay. Uh, Vegas, they, it's more of a fade against Matt Nag- right. Nagy and that locker room issues in, in Chicago. Uh, Raiders, think too many points here, or you think they're kind of dead in the water at this moment in the season, plus seven and a half, eight. Oh, I think that they could be a dead team. I mean, since the, the, the buy, I mean, they haven't been close at any point covering spread. So I think I want to tease Dallas and I know it's square, but I'll, I'll tease probably the two favorites later games for pizza money. So what you just mentioned pizza, what does a high level pro sports better do with all the games on Thanksgiving what do you do? You have someone deliver food or, you know, you deep frying a turkey. What are you doing? <laughs> well, me being single, uh, not much going on. I can tell you that. Probably a sandwich. Maybe a sandwich? I get around eating turkey, it's a turkey sandwich. Come on. <laughs> You're going to make all this money this weekend. Get a big spread. You'll have a lot of leftovers. Nah, not into it. I'm not a big turkey guy, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a very anti-turkey sentiment around this country now. Uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving, it's a damn shame. I, I will eat everyone else's turkey. How about that? Uh, Brad, there you go. appreciate it. Hope you win. Thanks for uh, pumping up a day early, and have a good holiday, okay? Hey, thanks for having me on.
That's our guy, Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com. Make sure you check out the website. He puts it all on the line. He'll put his tickets out on Twitter as well, at bradpowers7. Wrapping it up here on a Wednesday. Everyone have a good holiday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving Eve. Coming up on ESPN Las Vegas is UNLV basketball against Whittier. little early start, 6.30 tip. We're minutes away from running Rebel warm-up with John Sandler and Curtis Terry. You'll hear me during the game on the sidelines. So stick around for Rebel basketball right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Willie.